Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I feel like you should really appreciate your come up. It's the most romantic part of your career. When you get past all the bullshit, then you're like, really, this was great. And it did happen for a reason, and the universe did make it go this way. A lot of the relationships that we put ourselves through are very temporary. People come in your life for a reason. Those reasons are the stories that you tell to other people. I think it's such a beautiful time right now where people are really being encouraged to celebrate their culture and celebrate their differences and celebrate things that we've maybe been made to feel ashamed of. Yo, what's up? What's up? It's Sean Leon. Hi, it's Myrna. What's up, guys? This is Khalid. Hey, what's up? It's Ali. You're listening to The Come Up Show. Get inspired. Hey, welcome to The Come Up Show podcast. My name is Chad. I'm the host and founder of The Come Up Show. And my special guest today is Jordan Manswell. He's a producer and a Juno Award winner. He produced the song We Find Love by Daniel Caesar, and also Stranger Things by Joyner Lucas and Chris Brown. In my interview with Jordan Manswell, we talked about his upbringing, what he's inspired by, and so much more. Jordan Manswell, the Come Up Show podcast, let's go! Please introduce yourself. <laughs> uh, I'm Jordan, uh, spelled with an O, Jordan Manswell. That's me. Any any AKAs? <laughs> AKA. Um all my AKAs are really trash, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that out. Come on, man. <laughs> I forgot what T minus's first producer name T was. T minus's first name was Bags, I think. Bags, yes. Bags, yeah, no, mine is really embarrassing. Some people know. It, <laughs> if you know, you know. I can't even I can't even do that. <laughs> nah, that, that was too risky. Damn, man. <laughs> all right. Bottles in a bucket full of ice. Yeah. Better make room, room, hit a Lambo. Celebrate. Bitch, better believe that I'm a sniper. Yeah. You know I'm about to take you from your man, don't celebrate. Pop up with the chopper at artificial niggas acting like bitches and it started up an epidemic. It don't make a difference, nigga, we winning. I'm plenty grinning. 100 million platinum, fuck it, you ain't gotta listen. Celebrate. Better step down to me. Feel a dick, bitch. Open up your mouth to me. Nacho, talk to the dick, honestly. I'm dope, bitch, coming like any mini money mo. Celebrate. I don't like when I Welcome to the Come Up Show, my G. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. And uh, can I say you are a Juno Award winner now? Are um, you a Juno, a Juno Award winner? Because yes. Daniel Caesar just won a Juno for yeah. uh, 2018 Juno's R&B Soul Recording of the Year. Yeah. You, you produced on that album. Yeah. What did you produce? I produced um, one of the singles, uh, We Find Love. We Find Love? Yes, along with Jordan Evans and Matthew Burnett and did- Riley Bell. This just happened less than 24 hours ago. Yeah, that was this, crazy. The recording of this interview. Right, right. So you don't even know if you're a Juno Award winner yet or I no? Mean, I let them have that because they were they're they're the ones that crafted the entire album. They they worked their um they work like crazy, um on the whole packaging and the, like his entire career. So I'll let Jordan and and Ashton, which is a, a Danny, a, a, that's their moment. I'm not I'm not crowding myself into there, but like it's it's amazing. Yeah, but technically. You produced a song yes, on a Juno award-winning album. <laughs> yeah. So you do get the trophy if you want I don't know. It. Honestly, I have no idea. Like, a lot of people don't know. And I think it's the same way with the Grammys as well. But, like, a lot of people don't know that, like, you have to, in certain categories, if you didn't produce, like, 50% of the album or if you're not listed as, like, an executive producer, mm. then you don't actually win the, the, the award. But 
what I like to say until I'm completely sure is, you know, I produced on a Juno nominated, I mean, sorry, a Juno winning album, which is really dope. And they uh, actually, um, they performed We Find Love at the Junos, which was really dope to watch. So um, Mm -hmm. I'm a part of that. So that's great. And have you seen everything, like the performances and all that? Yeah, I saw it. I was actually in studio when, when it happened. Um, so I just watched it from my computer. Um, I'm gonna go back and like watch and really feel the moment. But yeah, that that was really crazy. Tell me, tell me, like, what was going through your mind? Like, um, what were you feeling when you were watching that? What was going through my yeah. mind yeah. was it was a couple of things because I remember just watching the Junos and being like, "Yo, like, this is gonna happen one day where you know some of my music is gonna be featured here, or I'm gonna win something, or whatever the case may be." Although I don't know if I uh, specifically won something yet. It's still a great feeling to know that, like, my work is being recognized and, and you know, something has to be working mm. for me. To and that know. you're associated with, with right, people, exactly, too. Exactly. And that's the most ex- inspiring thing, too, because they're, like, I watched them grind from, from top to bottom. You know, like, I watched um, I watched Jordan and, and Matthew Burnett, like, really figure out what Danny's sound is going to be, what his look is going to be, what the whole thing is going to be. Like, I'm, I, I, I'm CC'd on emails from, like, 2012 of Danny just, like, stressed out, like, yo, what am I going to do <laughs> with my life? Like, how is this going to work? What's what's going to happen? So to see that and then to see them on stage just, like, accepting an award, and it's it's honestly, like, overwhelming. Like, it's, mm. it's amazing. I love it. What does it tell you, then? It tells me it's just, it's all possible. It's all, like, just to see them who are my friends. Like, I can text them whenever, you know what I mean? And they gave, they gave me an opportunity to be a part of it. And, you know, I'm just grateful for, not not even just being a part of it, grateful to be alive at this time, to be able to see, you know, what, what what's really going on in the city and how they're doing it. And it's it's incredible, mm. you know? How did you meet? Uh, who did you meet first? How did you meet the squad? I met um, Danny at church through my great friend Tegan. Um, Tegan um, was a really good friend of Danny's and he was performing at my church um, in the morning with his dad. Um, Where is dad this? Is at Apple Creek, um, a seven day Adventist church in Markham. Um, and he was, yeah, he was performing with his dad, Norrell Simmons, who was um, in our community, like, you know, a God. <laughs> mm. He's like, yeah, he's he's uh, really well respected um, in our community. Um, and they were doing like a duo and Tegan was telling me like, yo, you got to listen to this guy. Like he's, he's amazing. Like his voice is so da da da. And I heard him and the same day I remember I, I, I went to him and I'm like, yo, you're going to be a star. Like you're amazing. And that, like, he's so humble. Um, he was just like, oh my God, like that means so much coming from you and da da da. Cause like, it's, it's only a select few people, um, in the seven day Adventist community that make music and like take it seriously. So he knew that I was one of them. So it was already, it was already like a mutual respect. Mm. So from there, uh, we just kept in contact on MSN, on Twitter, email, all that stuff. And, um, I ended up sending some of his songs to Jordan Evans and uh, Sean Leon. We, we all know who uh, Sean Leon is really amazing artist out of um, Toronto. Um, and, and how he, did you know Jordan Evans and Sean Leon at that point? So, I knew I know Jordan Evans through Sean Leon because I hit Sean Leon up on MySpace like w- way back. What before. year are we approximating our, ourselves? I'm gonna say 2007, mm. eight around there. Yeah, so me and Sean Leon have a lot of history. Where like I was a part of his uh, his ISI crew. I was a part of like things even before ISI, before he was even 
before Sean Leon, before J.R. Ritchie even. Like, people, like a lot of people don't even know about this stuff. But, yeah, so, like, they, the, Jordan Evans was really good friends with Sean, and he was helping him um, mm. w- with his music and all that stuff. And, yeah, just being in that group, I met all of those guys. And I was able to introduce Danny to that group. Mm. And then they just clicked and they formed something so amazing, like way past anything I could ever think of. And that's just how that's. So you're, you were in Markham, mm-hmm. right? Living in Markham. At I was living time? in Markham. I was going to church in Markham. Okay. I was living in, in Whitby. In Whitby. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean was in Ajax. Sean was in Ajax. Danny's in Oshawa. In Oshawa. Right. Durham region. And uh, Jordan is in Ajax. In so Ajax. Well, Ajax Pickering. Yeah. And so was Matthew Burnett. Yo, Ajax is responsible mm-hmm. for like half of what mm-hmm. everybody's hearing right now. How's yeah. that possible? Half? I could make a case <laughs> all. <laughs> I can make that case. We're not even talking about Toronto music. Yeah. We're talking about hip hop yeah. rap. Hip hop, like not, not even for uh, forget Toronto. Yeah, the entire world. Like I don't think people give like Boy Wonder and, resp- and a T minus the respect that they really deserve for like not even just crafting a sound, but the one of the reasons why I'm taking um production seriously and the reason why i even have a career today is because of those guys like they made it possible they're within our reach and they and they they you know set the bar and they made so many young hungry producers just say okay this is what what i'm gonna do how how do they do that how do they do it uh drake i wanna i I wanna say drake yeah because drake really exposed that time, like they were already amazing on their own, but Drake, being such a worldwide star, he exposed their talent to the likes of like Lil Wayne and Nicki Minaj and all these guys, and their work with them just caught fire, and then everybody wanted a piece. So it was really Drake that put them on that on that huge pedestal because a boy one that had like placements with like uh, Cardi, um, Cardi with Fifty, mm. with like. Bobby V, I think, like a, a bunch of other people. So, um, but I think it was Drake that really put them on that um, on that pedestal and and allowed everybody to really say, okay, this is the sound and this is what's gonna happen from here on. Mm-hmm. You know, so so it let you know that it is possible. Yeah, that that's possible. First off, and you said that this is the sound. What yeah. did you mean by that? Well, yeah, the sound because Boy Wanda already had a Jamaican influenced kind of sound. Um, from back then but that people didn't re- really realize like you, you you can even hear it in like in early stuff like like over or like uh even the one what's the one with uh, cardi set it off so yes yeah, yeah. so, so like yeah. early 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 and on top and, and then after he had all this great success he actually just gave um away for free one of the best drum kits uh hip-hop ever saw for free and that like was Once it called a, something or it was just it was I think it was just called the Boy Wanda sound kit, something mm. like that. Um shout out to a Jazz Feezy as well. That guy I believe crafted it and helped him, whatever. But um yeah, so after you give away a whole sound kit of all your signature sounds, like you we we're we're gonna start imitating you. You know what I mean? Mm. So that's where I think a lot of people like we had the tools to be Boy Wanda. <laughs> Why did you think he did that? Not a lot of people would do that, I th- right? I think because one day he's just such a forward-thinking guy that those sounds are just like, they're like, eh, whatever. I already used them out. Like, I might as well just give them away. And then after that, he moved on to a next wave and then let everybody else have his wave. And But it, it also helped. Like, they, they were such good quality sounds that that weren't on the market 
yet. So he actually, I don't even think it was like him trying to stunt on everybody. Like, yo, I'm done. I'm off that. Like, here's whatever I was using. But it was more like for young producers like myself mm-hmm. to just like go in and and really understand how to, you know, make your beats bang like like how his did. And like I remember one, of, I think Volume Two dropped on Christmas. And I was literally like, yo, I don't need a present. Like, this is, <laughs> like, I was that excited. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Boy Wonder was Santa Claus. Yeah, what? <laughs> Boy Wonder was Santa Claus that year. I can't remember what year it was, but wow, that was amazing. So genius. And, like, he's ushering a new wave of uh, the next generation of producers. Yo, he's just getting started. That's a scary thing. You think right now, in 2018, he's just getting started? Boy Wonder, it's been a decade. Boy Wonder just got started. Just got started. Yeah. And it's been a decade. Yeah. That's crazy. That's scary. That's crazy. T-minus just got started. Yes. Like, imagine that. <laughs> like, look at their resumes, and they just got started. Mm. So how, what does that tell me as, you know, as a new producer? I got more work to do. You got more work to do. <laughs> They've done so much, and they're so humble about it, and they're so low-key about it. Right. They're not, like, high-profile dudes right. that, right. like, it's so nuts. Right. So when I saw yesterday uh, Daniel Caesar accepting the award mm-hmm. for R&B Soul Recording of the Year, his, he was sitting with his parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's he's talked about this before, and the story is known where, uh, b- you know, being re- his parents being religious and being from a religious yeah. background, they didn't probably initially approve the music that he was making. Yeah. Even you said that right. not a lot of people take the music seriously. Right. So seeing that his parents were next to him, they were proud of him. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you had any challenges like that as well, too, when, like, uh, I believe, like, your mom didn't like hip-hop at all. I had all all the challenges. Tell me about that. (laughs) Well, it started off, like, when I was young. Yeah. Just just to show you how much of a disdain for hip-hop there was, we had to sneak to listen to, uh, to have BT on our TV. So we'd have it on the basement, um, and, like, we'd... I turned it really soft so, so like we can see what's going on we can kind of hear but we couldn't you know alarm her upstairs and do you remember day, what volume setting it was was it like a number <laughs> we used to press the volume on on the tv so that's <laughs> that's to show you when it was um yeah i remember i burnt a cd of them franchise boys um riding rims i had the instrumental and the song and my brother was at in the front handling the cds and stuff and I heard the beat going, and I'm like, "Yo, make sure it's it's the instrumental and not and not the actual song." Because we used to play songs in, in the car when, and my mom would let us do it if there's no words or if it was like something good. So it was it wasn't the right version. <laughs> <laughs> so all you hear is if you ride in rims, and they just start letting off a whole bunch of f bombs and just. So, long story short, um, that CD got cracked and uh, thrown out the window. <laughs> in the car, in the she car. eject. She, she ejected it, cracked yeah. it, and threw out the window. And said, don't ever do that again. <laughs> That's just how it was. <laughs> so when that kid that you did that to tells you, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm making hip-hop music, I'm, you know, I'm going into the music industry, that's got to be hard to hear. Especially as, like, a, you know, a Seventh-day Adventist mother. That's not, that's not... You know, Seventh Day Adventist Caribbean mother. That's not what they're trying to hear, and it it, it didn't make sense, especially being in Toronto. Th- there wasn't much of an industry in the first place, so they're like, "You're wasting your time. Why would you do this to yourself?" Mm. So, yeah, it was it was really tough, really tough. So, I basically just had to finish school 
Um, Finished school, college, university. Yeah, I went to U of T mm. um, in Mississauga, um, kind of as like a placeholder as I as I worked on my music and figured out what I was going to do career-wise. Um, and yeah. Were you interested in what you were taking in university? Um, yeah, I was doing communications and information technology. So I can kind of use some of that knowledge in music, but it was more about like the discipline and like the just the other areas of expertise that you kind of gain along the way. Time management. Right, right, right. Projects, exactly. deadlines, exams. It's a lot. And which, all that. Yeah, it was, it was good though. Hmm. It was good. And uh, so what, what, what did she like though? What, what were you hearing? What, what Gospel did my music? mom like? Uh, we were listening to Luther Vandross. We were listening to Kirk Franklin, John P. Key, a gospel, um, uh, Brian Cage. Um, what were you listening to? Like Alicia Keys. We got the Beyonce CD. No, we got the Beyonce CD. Um, yeah, just like re- some real soul R&B um, if it was anything secular and just a lot of gospel and like soft rock. Like we would listen to... What's that soft rock station in Toronto? CHFI. CHFI. That was my mom's favorite station. So we bumped that on in, in the morning every day to school. Mm. So that's that, yeah. Mm. <laughs> a lot of soft rock. So uh, how did you like uh, get into making beats then? Um, It was... um, Man, what was it? My, my, my cousin Javel, he had downloaded um i think it was mick uh i can't remember what it was but eventually no it was beatcraft acoustica beatcraft and that was on a program that you you couldn't make any melodies yet you could only do drums and we found that and we started um basically copying all of like the drum patterns that we'd hear from like uh from jazzy Faye, uh and Jermaine Dupree, um, Manny Fresh, like all those guys that had like, you know, crazy drums. We just like remake it. Mm. And that's how we learned to, you know, we learned timing. We learned like, like the bop. We learned how, just how to, how to make beats. And then we found FL Studio and we learned that we can make melodies and drums together. And it was a wrap from there. FL Studio changed the game. Man. Changed the game. <laughs> changed <laughs> FL Studio lives. is one of the, the most important things. Like <laughs> inventions in humanity, inventions, probably. Honestly, on, it's <laughs> in music for real. It's yeah. changed so many people's lives. Yeah, it's it's so shout crazy. Out to FL Studio, man. Shout out to FL Studio. Mm-hmm. Today's podcast is brought to you by Banzoogle. Banzoogle makes it easy to build a stunning website for your music in minutes. Choose from hundreds of mobile-friendly themes. Then customize your design and content in a few clicks with Banzoogle's easy visual editor. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including tools to sell your music and merch commission-free right on your website, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, integrations to pull in content from all your online services like Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Banzoogle plans start at $8.29 a month and include your free custom domain name, Go to Banzoogle.com to try for free for 30 days and be sure to use the promo code CHEDO15. That is C-H-E-D-O-15 to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. Banzoogle, websites built for musicians by musicians. So, yo, tell me about uh, 
Battle of the Beatmakers. Was that the first real thing in terms of your foray into production or the, a bunch of things happened before that? Not really a bunch of things. That was... FL the, Studio changed the game. You're practicing, you're yeah, making beats. I'm practicing and practicing. I'm trying to get... You know, I'm on, I'm on all the Toronto blogs figuring out who is who, listening to all the music, just figuring it out. And yeah, Battle of the Beatmakers came about. I started watching every single video they had, watched it like at least three times a week, just studied it. Right? Who were you studying on that? I was studying uh, Pops, Big Pops. I was studying Boy Wanda, of course. I was studying uh, Burning Keys had like a legendary battle on there. Um, mm. I was studying, yeah, just like the whole, the whole, the whole thing was like, like you just watch like all this, all that stuff. And yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that changed my life for sure. Mm. Like till this day, I, 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 I still get messages every day about people saying like, yo, like that inspired me and it's that, like, who did you go up against? I went up against. Cause you won it. When did you win it? What year was that? Won it in 2014. Damn, that's Damn. like only four years ago. Four years ago, and it yeah. still seems like yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, in the year that I won, cause yeah. I, I the judges was Metro Boomin. Was Metro Boomin. Yeah. A Sony did uh, a Sony did digital, and wow. Joel Ortiz. Wow, Joel yeah. Ortiz. Heavy Metro hitters. Booming. Heavy Sony hitters. did digital. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the final, who'd you go up against? Well, the first round. Yeah. I went against Bijan Amir, who mm. went by B Jams. You guys know who Bijan Amir is? I, I follow him on Twitter. He's a pretty funny guy. <laughs> right? an idiot. But yeah, Bijan. Is he, is he a Torontonian? Yeah, he's, he's okay. super dope. He just produced. Um, what did he make? He's making he's making noise. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. He just produced uh, Ric Flair Drip for Offset and Twenty One Savage and Metro. Hmm. Yeah, so that that's pretty huge. That, that song's going crazy right now. But yeah, I faced him in the first round. He went by B Jams at the time, and I thought like, when you see a name like B Jams with, with a Z, I'm thinking like, like that's gonna be easy. You know? <laughs> but <laughs> so I played like my worst beat against him. Boy, was was that a mistake? Cause he was actually sick. So I'm like, damn. Cause I, I, I'm trying to save my best beats for. You underestimated for the, him. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> but he he really surprised me, and now he's doing amazing things. So mm. that's, that's that's where we met, and and the end, I think the guy that I beat was ties a uh, ties and checks, I think it was. Mm. But yeah, that was. I like, heard like battle. what what beat did you play that Metro Booming went crazy about? There were a couple actually. Yeah. There were a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah that, that was really fun that was really 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 fun um there was a beat what was it called i think it's up in my soundcloud it's called mm. study break study break okay that's that's the like, the famous one ah okay yeah and that's on your uh on one of my um is there a skit over that on study break no there's no skit on that one okay but there's a skit on 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 that ep on that ep mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, that might be connected. Tell me about that skit. Like, uh, yeah, so that skit is exactly called what, dedication skit. Right. Okay. So that skit was, um, it's from Smart Guy. Um, Marcus and his dad are having a, a dispute because Marcus wanted to do music and he was in a band and it was doing really well. And his dad didn't care. He was like, I, you know, music's not going to take you anywhere. School will. So 
finish your school first and then music after. And Marcus was explaining, like, this isn't what I want to do. It's not going to get me to where I want to go. I'm only wasting time doing it. And it's a conversation that so many of us um, creatives, like young creatives, have with our parents, like that uncomfortable conversation that, you know, you like you kind of have to have um, in order to to get across to them, like, you know, this is this is something that that I think is going to be my, my career and something that, uh, that can work for me. Mm. So I just remember that skit always touched me on the show. So I just ripped the audio and put it in, in the EP because that EP is is depicted like a really kind of dark time in my life where I had finished school, which is why like the artwork is a, um, a graduation cap mm-hmm. and um, on my head. And I was just, I was working. I didn't like my job that much. I was trying to make music, but I knew music was it, but it just wasn't working out how, how I wanted it to. So it's either I go and get a full-time job and like just throw away all my uh, creative ability or... I go at it a full throttle and have no money. My mom not respect me, my entire family wondering what's going on with this guy. And yeah, so it was just like this weird space. So that's where that uh, EP came from. Mm, so tell me more about that, like that, that, that period. You know, that period, like, boy, it was rough. Because uh, I I had, a, you know, Bird from Bird and Key mm-hmm. on the podcast and mm-hmm. he, he talked about a similar thing where, you know, he had to finish school for his parents to get off his back. And then when he finished school, he's like, hey, I finished school. Right. I've saved some money. Mm-hmm. Give me a year or two. Right. Let me go hard on this until I run out of my money. And exactly. then you could say whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so was what was yours? That p- It was very similar. Yeah. yeah. Very similar. Like after I graduated, um, I was working at Apple while I was, um, while I was um, in school. After school, um, I just decided like, because I was living in a um, a basement apartment with a two of my um with a two of my boys in Mississauga, which is like across from Square One, so it was kind of like the perfect situation. I had a job. I was you know I was on my own, and it was you know living the life as they say. But I don't know I just wanted I just wanted more. So I'm like this like this. There's more out here for me. I, I gotta I gotta take some steps back and so that I can really push forward. So I moved back home. I quit my job. Um, and you know, my mom was definitely like upset and kind of just wondering why, why I'm doing this. But I knew that I would end up resenting everybody around me if I didn't get this off my chest. So yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I was broke, <laughs> like extremely broke. I, I, some days I just wouldn't leave the house. Cause I'm like, what's the point? Cause everything outside is just money, money, money. Like I'm gonna have to buy food. I'm gonna have to hop on the bus. I'm gonna have to, you know, so um, that was it, was, it was, it was really difficult and it was hard to stay on task. Um, but luckily, like my name still had some buzz, um, a little bit for producing. So I, I, I'd be from producing yeah, or from battle the beat makers. Yeah. Or? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. just, uh, just in general. So okay. I, I was able to like uh, sell a, a little beat here for like a little, you know, a, a little bit of change or whatever. It, it was never worth it, but I, I had to get through that period mm. and you know, how did you keep your faith during that period? Uh, a lot of self-help books, a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of prayer first and foremost, prayer, 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 prayer that like never underestimate how much prayer can take you through a situation. Cause I, I don't smoke, I don't really drink or anything like that. Like, so it's easy to fall into those traps and like get into like a, a substances and, and all, all those things when you're in that state. Um, 
so that was like kind of where I went to when I wanted to do those things so that I didn't and my girlfriend as well my girlfriend was like the hugest supporter of everything and like she you know especially at this age when you're growing up and you know you want to do the like go on trips and 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 you know eat at the all the cool spots and buy the clothes and all that stuff but she was never on that she was always like just super supportive just super Mm. just like let me do your thing like you know rub my back whenever i'm stressed like that like that that really happened so she was a huge part of of it's really important yeah for sure because your girl can make you feel like as a man when you're broke she (laughs) can really make you feel like that's the thing as a man too like (laughs) i'm thinking i'm supposed to be the provider like i'm supposed to not, not that she's not supposed to um to provide as well but that's just like the like as a man like like your pride goes down when you can't you know, pay for like dinner or like she's taking the bill all the time. It's just like, this is annoying. Like I would really get like we we'd be out and and I I wouldn't want to go out because I I'm like yo I can't pay for it. She's like but I can so just let me you know like let me help you through this. And I'm like no no no. So I just get really like like upset and like it was it was bad like <laughs> it was bad. But yeah it was but that just made it so much more worth it. Like I feel. I feel so much more accomplished that I was able mm. to get through that, and and now like, you know, seeing me my music play at like the Junos and, you know, Billboard and all all these things like it's it's it was a real process. Mm. You're still with that with your girl, right? Yeah, Same yeah girl. Course, okay, so that and that's another thing as well yeah. too because, um, you know, she's a real one. So oh, she's boy, is she a real as one. you continue to <laughs> rise and pro like that's the number one thing. If say yeah. you are on one. Mm-hmm. And you were single, yeah. then you would like question any woman that would That's come in thing. your life, That's right? That's the thing. And women probably wouldn't even want to come into my life at that point. Like if you, if you're just going through uh, different girls, they're gonna really look into your life situation and say, "Well, you can't go on dates. What do you mean you you can't drive me to you know wherever we want to go? Like you're a waste." No, I mean like if if you got on, like you were successful, mm-hmm. you're on one, right. and you didn't have a girl. You know, if you're trying to find a girl, you would maybe oh, yeah, question, yeah, yeah. 100%, 100%. say, does this girl want me for my right, money? Right. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Because that girl, girl not has been here. through those things, you know. Right, right. Whether I have money or not, yeah. that girl's going to be there. So so you spend 10 to 15 minutes on a beat, mm-hmm. and if you're not feeling it, if you're not coming up with anything, you stop. That's a fact. You move on to another thing. Mm-hmm. Why? I feel like... I don't know, like, you, like you're just kind of overthinking it. This is something a 1985 taught me as well. Like, um, he he was just like, like, if you look at all his top hits, like all his, I mean, his number ones, they're all super simple. And they're all kind of like, just like a four to eight bar loop. And they just keep going, keep going, keep going. And that's just things that he just did without like really putting too much, not effort, but just not doing too much. So if I if I feel like I'm stuck on a beat for too long, I feel like I'm just doing too much. I'm overcomplicating it. Whenever I overcomplicate, how is the that means that the artist is gonna you know be confused when he hear, when he or she hears it. So it's like mm-hmm. I want to leave it as as plain as possible, um, so that they get the point. But um, yeah. So if I have it in the first ten fifteen minutes, that means I I haven't overthought it. I'm in a real good vibe. Like it's probably. That's all it needs. Isn't that crazy that it's simplicity mm-hmm. is what it is? Like 1985, for the people who don't know, he produced Drake, Hold On, We're Going Home. All Drake's Hot, number ones. Hotline <laughs> Bling, Drake, One Dance, mm-hmm. uh, D- Drake and DJ Khaled for free. Right. Like, way too much. Truffle yeah. Butter, way Nicki Minaj and Drake and Little Wayne. Like, yeah. My Love, Majid yep. Jordan. Yep. 
but uh, the simplicity is what makes it a hit. Yeah, yeah. Usually people don't think like that, do they? They think exactly. that complex exactly. is what it is. It's not. It's not. And and like it's really easy as a, a producer or even a beat maker to you know think about just yourself. Like, but you absolutely can't be selfish um, if you want to be a producer because it's it's not about you. It's not about how dope the beat is or or whatever. It's it's how the artist can uh, can portray how they feel uh, um, on uh, on the record, whether it be like a really hype like rap song, just like about nothing. If they if they get like the right flows off, they get the right cadences and and they're they're just projecting themselves well and all that stuff. That that's what makes the hits. Like if you look at all the real hits, like songs that just make a lot of money, like I'm in love with the Coco. That's the, that, that beat's really simple. God's plan. That beat's super simple. Uh, just like like I I can go on and on. It's just like really simple stuff, but I, I just really catchy and just you know make people move. So. Yeah. You're so right. I'm in love with <laughs> yeah, the cold it, in the club. That was like <laughs> Exactly, but it's literally like probably like five <laughs> instruments. It's not that it's not that serious. <laughs> I'm telling I'm you. smiling because I've sung that in a club yeah. and like had so much joy. I don't yeah, know why. I'm telling you. Bacon I'm, soda. I got bacon soda. <laughs> why am I stupid. so excited about this stupid line? Why am I excited exactly. about bacon soda? That's the thing. That's the thing. Like in but like it takes a long time to get to that point as a producer to say, Okay, I'm gonna just not do as much as I'm used to. Like you, like you have to take it far to understand how f- to uh, to understand how to uh, dial back. Mm. Uh, and then that and that's where the real genius comes from. So think speaking about creativity, I I believe you said that you love working with songwriters more mm-hmm. so than artists. Yeah. Because they're more creative. Songwriters are more creative mm-hmm. compared to artists. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Because these um like a lot of artists these days don't aren't really in there like penning like every single thing so that's one of the reasons why i really like um daniel caesar because like all the music is just so him like he really sits there and like takes his time and and you know you can feel everything he's saying because it's actually coming from him but it's hard for me to work with artists that don't really don't really write because it's, it it sounds very just generic or like it's not you know it's it, it's not them wholeheartedly or e- even when you're in the studio with them you're like you're just kind of playing beats and if they like it then they'll take it and say yeah you know I'll I'll write this when I get home or whatever but if you're in with an artist they get their their true perspective I mean if you're in with a writer they they'll get their true perspective off and that's the, the, that's why I think it's so cool about music is just like unique perspectives like how did like why do you think that way how, why how can you say it in a different way than than somebody else? How can you communicate your feelings best? And that's that that's the real joy in music to me. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, man, that's as hip hop is is pop. Mm-hmm. There are more and more artists who are just not writing their own stuff. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, yeah. But, that, but I'm not I'm not shaming like the artists that that need help. Like that's not a problem at mm-hmm. all. Because, you know, a certain people's strengths are, aren't the same as yours. So, it, you know, it, it, an, an, an artist's job is still really tough to, like, you know, be the forefront and, like, the, the entire brand. And, you know, and to be able to, like, excuse me, to, um, it's one thing to write it, but it's also one thing to communicate it through how you sound on the record. Like, you know, you can, that that's the reason why uh, James Fauntleroy 
incredible writer, incredible everything. But that's why he's not as big of an artist as mm-hmm. like a, like as like a Rihanna, where Rihanna. Or, yeah. or, or like a Bruno Mars because Bruno Mars, um, he writes a lot with Bruno Mars, like all the, all the hits right now. That's James Fauntleroy, but it's just something about Bruno Mars that makes him, you know, the star. He's the one that mm. goes out and has to dance and has to do all these things. So yeah. it's it, it's no shaming on either part, but I just prefer like working in the studio with the writer. Mm-hmm. I think Party Next Door was saying something like that about mm-hmm. Rihanna, where like he wrote work. Right. Somebody was asking him about that, but he's like, "Yeah, I wrote it, but like nobody executes like exactly. Rihanna. That's like why she she's Rihanna." She executed that like a boss. Like you can't, like the attitude that she had on the record, the way she made you feel when, like, when like that comes on in the club. Like that's not, that's not by chance. Like that's that's a real talent. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. You have four projects out mm-hmm. yourself. Right. Uh, they're all it's all instrumentals, but you don't call it a beat tape, right? No, not a beat tape. It's not a beat tape. And why is it not a beat tape if it's just a bunch of instrumentals? Because I crafted, um, I crafted the the project as if there were words. So there's no words, but it's all feelings in there. Like it's not just I just went in and just did it. Like as you, um, as I was, excuse me, as I was explaining um earlier, each tape has like a theme, and it came from like a real genuine place. So and they're like about something as much as there's no words there like you can still get your point off on it so like it's it's still open for interpretation but the word beat tape is i don't know, beat just sounds kind of you know just in in genuine yeah no like you you actually have a theme a concept but right. like for example if an artist approaches you about using one of the beats you're not you, you don't yeah, really want as, that to happen right as of late like i just can't it's it, it, it it's a piece of my heart like I, I can't sell it. I, I and like so many people have hit me up about about each P, especially the one on the Battle of the Beatmakers. Mm. Um, but like those are just a piece of like a, a piece of history to me. It's just like I can't I can't put a price tag on it for real. Mm. Which is because usually people make producers make these instrumentals or these mu- this music mm-hmm. for to to advertise their work and right. their talent right. to get more work. That's also um part of why I did the tapes as well. Cause like we're in we're in such a time where like if like the producer can have a voice as well and like you know the, uh, they can be a, a, just like an artist and I'm not that great of a speaker I don't think so I I would just like I was like my whole thing was like I'm gonna let the work speak and how can I let the work speak if I don't put anything out so I'm gonna just like make like say okay artist I can do this this is what I can do I'm putting it out what what's up. Like let's talk. Like, this is what I can do. So it, I, I was basically just kind of pitching myself, um, so that you know I can get more, mm. more, more, more business. I I also believe that you also didn't want to play the waiting game because there's a lot of waiting. Exactly. A lot of patience required exactly. as a producer, sending out beats, emails, yeah, c- paperwork, right. Uh, and and you got no patience. If I had wait, <laughs> man. If I had waited to to drop, um, or, or to like. If I didn't put out any beat tapes or anything, like my come up would have been so much longer. Cause like I don't know, I feel like certain people I was able to get in certain rooms, I was able to talk to certain people because of those tapes. Like they saw, you know, the real value in my production. Like I was I even met my current manager because of those um because of those um EPs. So, you know, people were able to see that I'm not just the battle of the beat makers guy. I can you know, I can really craft mm-hmm. records. 
And are you also getting into songwriting yourself? A little bit, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> little bit. Uh, it's a little thing. I mean, <laughs> a little thing. What? Soft. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, but uh, you said you said you want to get you want to wait until you're like in a better position where your your opinion is worth more. Exactly. What does that mean? Where did I say that? Somewhere. I said I did say that, right? Yeah. yeah. It sounds like something I would say. You said you got into it, like yeah, you want to like I guess what build up your your name, right? Yeah. So when you write something and you pitch it to somebody, they take you seriously. Yeah, because like you can say, you you can have like the best idea in the room, but if you haven't done anything, then everyone's looking at you kind of crazy, like, like who who asked you for your opinion, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know? So like I realized that already. Like once you put more numbers on the board, then people start caring about what you have to say and, and and your words hold a lot more value. So, and like, I, I understand that. And so, so it's fine. So I'm just, I'm, I'm just adapting. Hmm. It gives you more credibility, yeah. more credibility to do so. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so we're going to get into some tweets right now. Mm-hmm. Some things that you've tweeted, just mm-hmm. a few things. Mm-hmm. I want you to expand upon them. <laughs> yeah. You ready? <laughs> uh, you tweeted more creatives with dignity and morals, please. Yeah. Because that What are you seeing? What, why did you say that? Um, I said that because um, The people that have a purpose for creation Like mm. the reason why art is art Is because like you're supposed to have like A, a purpose for it Like I, I can't I don't listen to a lot of like The kind of I don't listen to music without purpose mm. Because it's it's not art It's just a, like It's just a money grab so it's like if you have if you're creative and you have dignity, like you're not just gonna accept anything because there's money involved. Like you understand that like money's not everything, and and you have a purpose as a creative to fulfill, which is to inspire and to you know help people get through like a certain um thing in their life, or or be that voice for um for a generation or for somebody that might not have one or 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 is going through something similar. So that that's why that's where that tweet came from. Hmm. Uh, the work will always speak louder than the antics. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just like in the music industry, we all know we go through just like a bunch of crap. Like it's it's just flat out crap. There's there's not much else I can say for that. But yeah, so it's like you can go on Twitter and you know bash the people you're working with and bash the industry and bash all everybody else and be upset at the world, mm-hmm. or you can just make better art. And it'll balance out because the work always speaks louder. Because if you, like, you can try and shut somebody out as much as you want, but if their work is great, like, p- people say, I, I, this is a really sensitive um, a topic, but, for example, people say R. Kelly, like, you, you know, um, he's a rapist and all that stuff, da da da. Um, but people still say, well, he made... Uh, I made, believe I can fly. I believe I can fly, so... He gets a pass. Like, as as wrong as that sounds, that just go, goes to show that, like, if you put out really good work, like, it speaks louder than whatever whatever you're talking about. So, just, yeah. j- just relax, you know. It happens in basketball. Kobe. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like, we don't, I don't want to hear about about Kobe cheating or whatever the scandals are with his wife because he plays amazing basketball and he inspires me and he he's done all these things. So, it's like, as much as, you know, that, that that stuff is wrong and I, I don't condone any of that it's it's yes let's be clear we don't yeah, condone yeah. any no, of those actions not at all not at all not at all <laughs> be clear be very clear <laughs> 
But that's 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 just the world we live Good in. Good thing football. we were in a hype beast blog because the title of this article would have been Jordan <laughs> Manzoel approves of R. Kelly's actions. A million hits tomorrow. Absolutely <laughs> not. It's just to prove a point. It's just to prove a point. <laughs> uh all my creative friends, if a tweet, all my creative friends, if you'd like to maxify, maximize your efforts, please read Steal Like an Artist book yeah. by Austin Kleon. Yeah, that that guy needs to cut me a check, man, because the way I've been p- putting people onto that book is, like, ridiculous. That book is strictly for creatives. It talks about, you know, how how to, you know, like, never throw away any parts of you any creative parts of you like do everything just it's just really a really really helpful book for every single creative whether you're a writer whether you're you're you know a podcaster whether you're a producer saying whatever you are just it's it's a good book read it hmm. another tweet uh god is in the midst of preparing me for something great anxious mm-hmm. to see what it is because mm-hmm. i'm just going through so many different things that like i'm seeing him kind of shaping me to be just greater and like put me in a position where, um, you know, I understand the role of like, you know, I, I, as we were talking about earlier, just inspiring other people and, you know, just understanding that it's not about you. It's more about, you know, it's for the glory of God. It's for just for the betterment of the, you know, society in, in, in general. So I feel like I have a, um, a bigger role to fulfill and he's preparing me for that. Just, you know, and I think we talked a little bit about this, but I want to make sure. What was like the lowest point on this journey for you, Jordan? Like lowest point? Like most so many frustrating, challenging, almost quit anything like that. Like, damn, man, when am I gonna get my chance, bro? When I'm gonna get on? I I I still go through that, but um, I will say you still feel like you're the underdog. Yeah, when boy, because <laughs> nobody's heard my best work yet. That's my thing. Like. I just I just want to get that that chance, but um, it was in between when I was like super broken and whatever. Um, I haven't really told many people this, but I I, um, I did a co-publishing deal with 1985, um, under his new uh, imprint, um, and that was taking really really long. So I'm here, you know, no money, no nothing, no just kind of my mom's on my back, and it's taking really long. So that was like super stressful because like no no placements were coming in no no bread no nothing like just nothing and I just wanted an opportunity and like you know how that stuff goes like just like lawyers and and you know the paperwork taking long and all like it was a headache but it got done so how do you stay impatient how do you stay patient in those in those moments just work that's make more beats just make more like just make sure that when when the time comes as much as you're stressing mm. the time can come and you're just not ready so what are you gonna do with it that's that's it have you ever made beats when you're angry yes <laughs> absolutely i make beats when i'm angry all the time and it it it, it works how do those beats come out do they are they reflective of anger they, they come out like- exactly like stranger things by chris brown <laughs> And Joyner Lucas. Tell us I about that, that song. I was angry. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Joyner Lucas, Chris Brown, Stranger Things. Yes. Hit on the Hot 100, by the way. Congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. That, you made that when you're angry. Tell me. Tell me about that. That one, I didn't even care. I just didn't care. What were you like, angry about? I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember. I, I think, yeah, I, I think I was probably just like thinking like, man, honestly, 
no one's gonna hear this beat anyways <laughs> like what's what's even the point and that happens to a lot of us cause like you make a million beats and like only you know three of them get picked up or whatever so it's just like eh, another one whatever and you know it could have just been a bad day could have just been people at work stressing me out could have been my girl upset me could have been but you still went through the process yeah because like i love i love going through like really strong emotions because that like i have something to create off of like i feed off of really uh, off of that energy when i'm when i'm super sad i have to go to my computer when i'm extremely happy i have to go to my computer you know like Mm. that's when i create the best because like are you aware are you like cognizant of that when you're going through these highs or lows you're like oh okay time to go yeah 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 that was that was where we find love came from as well um with daniel caesar like my girl was actually um in in romania for like a while and like i hadn't seen her in like five weeks or something like that and i was just kind of i was like I don't know, I was, I was going through one of my periods, I was stressed, and, like, she wasn't there, she couldn't talk to me, and, and like, I was I, I was just I was just annoyed and just upset and kind of sad and hopped on the piano. That's what came out. Wow. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Use your emotions, man. Use them. Use, Use them. Every emotions. creative should be using your, your emotions or else it's just not, it's not art. It's not. What is currently inspiring you? Currently inspiring me? Daniel Caesar. Daniel Caesar currently inspiring me. How? Just to come up, man. The, the independent grind, the, the the hard work ethic, the the smart work ethic, the like just everything about their entire team is just so inspiring. Like mm-hmm. there's just everybody in the city actually. Like we can we can remember when there was there was a time where we couldn't like if we wanted to say artists that are making a living off of music in Toronto and like signed and and you know touring the world and doing these things. I wasn't a very extensive list like a couple years ago. Now we can, you know, we can go on and on. You know, there's, there's it's Nav, it's it's Danny, it's Jesse Reyes, it's eighty eight Glam, it's, it's 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 just so many people that like are actively. It's a, a division, you know, mm. it's like all these people. So that's inspiring to me. It's a really good time in Toronto. And as to more music. those people put on, the more that they put on, they put on the next generation. Right. The weekend putting on eighty eight Glam. Exactly. Uh, Division yeah. putting on who's on tour with Division right now? Chantel May. Chantel May. Chantel May. Mm-hmm. That type of stuff. Yeah, super dope. Uh, anything else that you want to say to the people out there, man? For those creatives who are from Toronto, what do you want to say to them? It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. I'm I, I'm still waiting for my my big break, but it's 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 possible. You're on the way, bro. You know that, yeah. right? Yeah, of course. No, I'm 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 on the way, for sure, for sure. I can't wait. Like I said um, in the tweet, God is preparing me for something. Mm. It's coming. Thank you for your time, man. Congratulations so on the success, my G. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Jordan Manzo on the Come Up Show podcast. What did you think of my interview with Jordan Manzo on the Come Up Show podcast? Hit us up on Twitter at The Come Up Show. And if this is your first time tuning in, subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and so much more. Check out our previous interviews. We've had some legends, up-and-coming artists. And if you enjoy this conversation, I know you will enjoy the rest of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'll catch you on next Wednesday. It's your boy, Chetto. Peace. Peace.